All right, Warwick, are you ready? Hello, listeners. Thank you for being here. G'day, listeners. Nicole, I am never ready for what is about to happen. My friend won't stop making bird puns. Why not? <laughs> I'm not really sure, but Toucan play that game. Oh, boom, boom. We need sound effects. Welcome to the Tradies and Business Podcast with your hosts, Warwick Didwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Okay, listeners, so here we are with the real part of the episode. My apologies (laughs) for the introductions of late. Come Uh, on. I have now found myself uh, on the lookout for decent jokes so I can somehow compete with Coxie's brilliance at the start of our episodes. Oh, dear. Um, But instead of finding a joke, Coxie, I actually ended up getting a job cleaning leaves off roofs. Yeah, I'm raking it in. (laughs) I'm going to keep my laugh inside because that was... (laughs) Shocking. <laughs> now, listeners, we do have a guest on today's episode who is here for more than just a laugh. Um, we managed to, well, I guess we kind of tripped over this guy. He wasn't literally lying in the gutter. Uh, far from it, actually. But today's guest is here just because he wants to give back uh, and I guess share some lessons, some insights and whatever he can just to help you, our listener, to be a better joke teller among other things <laughs> so um i'm just going to welcome uh nicholas dogulan to the show uh nicholas welcome thank you guys pleasure to be here and um thank you for giving me those two jokes that i've added to my arsenal they're gonna go down, <laughs> gonna go down really well next time i'm at the pub <laughs> can't beat a mum joke and i think can't it's an underrated it. uh area that we should all be flexing in yeah, no, I love it. A bit of a mum joke, folks. Always be flexing. <laughs> My CrossFit coach always had that intro. He was like, "Always be flexing." <laughs> and you do. Over there. <laughs> you do. Yeah. At least I'm wearing Tickets. pants. Tickets to the gun show. <laughs> exactly. So, Nicholas, um, before we lose our listeners' attention after listening to two bad jokes, can you please tell them a little bit about who you are? Sure. Uh, I guess why you're here, and then uh, we can just rip into some awesome conversation. Yeah, cool. So uh, Nicholas Dogulan, been running my digital agency for 10, 10 years now. So we obviously, um, as I told you last time, we niche in the dental space. Um, but to me, marketing, pretty much 80% of it's always the same, and and then 20% of it is really where you get into the nitty gritty um, of the of the audience and 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 into the marketing. Um, definitely had a million and one mistakes, which have turned into into lessons, and I kind of enjoy talking to other new business owners or ones in the same place uh, or ahead of me, and just kind of share war stories and see how we can, um, you know, improve ourselves in business. Um, you, know, you can always do it yourself or you stand on the shoulder of giants and let them do the the hard the hard yards for you and you just learn from that so you know don't obviously expect anything from those chats i i just love connecting people or sharing my insights and if someone can take something away from that and implement it into their own and have a smile on their face then you know i'm a, I'm a happy chappy I remember when we spoke to you the first time, Nick, and one of the questions I often ask people that we meet is um, what their parents did because I find that there's a particular kind of person, they're they're very engaging, that's you, Tick. You you might like to write a list for your wife so you can remind her (laughs) as per conversation earlier today. Nicholas's list of awesomeness. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's on the fridge, but she doesn't ever pay attention to it. (laughs) That's what I'm doing wrong. I've got to put mine on the list. On the fridge. Um, you're really warm. You're very easy to talk to. You're very engaging. You're extraordinarily you. generous with your knowledge and your sharing of your knowledge. And to me, that that uh, my question always off the back, I guess as a mum of, of young adults, is always, okay, well, who are your parents? Because they've created a really lovely person. And yep. so that led to one of the most fascinating conversations. And it was an answer I didn't expect because 
quite frequently when we meet people like you, their their parents are business owners or quite often tradies. Obviously, we talk to tradies a lot. But I would love you to share with our listeners a little bit about your background before you were grown. You, you, your childhood stories that we spoke about when we met were fascinating to me. <laughs> Can you give us a bit yeah, of sure. insight to your parents and your, your upbringing? Because it was very unique. Yeah. Um, so I am... I'm South African born um, and my parents um, have Italian background. So I've got a very strong Italian culture on both sides. Um, it was actually my first language and mum had to come to school with me to teach me English, which is always something interesting in South Africa. Um, and my dad is a, still is to this day, even though we're trying to get him to retire, but he just, he just won't. Um, and, uh, he's a, he's a criminal lawyer. So in South Africa, he was lined up to be a judge. And then he said that the day he needed a gun to protect his family was the day we leave the country. My mom was a flavor chemist. So she used to make some awesome flavors up for like chips and drinks and stuff. So we were always well fed. I'm surprised I wasn't obese when I was younger, <laughs> but you know, he didn't have social media or TV or anything, which kind of I use for my trade now, but we would, you know, climb trees and run around like hooligans. So that was fine. So yeah, so that day came and we um, we left the country. And I remember it clear as day. We arrived, so we're in Sydney um, and we arrived here and we, we currently live in Dremoyen, but we moved to Dremoyen at the time. <laughs> and we were in um, we were in our little hotel room and we turned on the news and I think it was Channel 9 news at the time they came on. And I remember there was a shooting somewhere and it was a single shooting. And I turned to my parents and I said, my God, this is paradise. There's just a single shooting. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Unless there's like, you know, massive hold up with AK-47s or anything like that. Like it doesn't make the news. So that was, that was kind of my upbringing. Like we quite, in South Africa, we were, I mean, we were well off. But like I said, anyone, if you're well off in South Africa, it's like living in fool's paradise because you're basically looking over your shoulder and, you know, you can't do anything. Like we were here in, you leave your bike out on the street. I'm like, that doesn't happen in South Africa. Or when I was at school, um, you know, sometimes parents in South Africa, if their kid was misbehaving at home, they'd call the principal and say, look, can you just give him a few canes when he, when he gets there the next day um, and just put him into line. And then I got here in Australia and people were telling off the teacher. I'm like, this, what is this place? This is, you know, it's crazy. So yeah, I kind of adapted from there. So I've always had a pretty strong mindset ever since I was a kid, seeing things that you really shouldn't see as a kid, like you could live in a mansion and then look at, you know, one of your walls and there's someone in a, you know, sort of in a tin shack living, trying to siphon your water to live. It's just, it's ridiculous, you know, what you see. So kind of have that. And my my mindset's always been, uh, well, my dream really, and kind of stands into my mindset is somewhere somewhere in the world, you know, there's a, there's a kid in a gutter um, who's probably the cure to cancer um, or alike and no one is giving him the opportunity or he doesn't have, you know, food or shelter or clothes on his back. And I'm like, that That has to change. There's no way that can happen. So my dream is to sort of give, make a lot of money and give away about 80 to 90% of my wealth so that that kid somewhere has that opportunity, whether it's through my direct wealth or, or investing, you know, into someone that, that can, that can do that. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. And hopefully I, you know, bring those values down into my kids go son and the daughter. And my wife is actually a, um, she was a um, social worker. So she worked at docs and facts. So it's almost somewhat, wow. somewhat similar from what she's seen and has to endure. So, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting um, upbringing and kind of led me into, didn't actually lead me into what I'm doing now, but it's, you know, I can bring a lot of that stuff into, into what I'm doing and, um, definitely makes for some good conversations that's for sure <laughs> and a lot of people say how and my dad now he um he runs aboriginal legal service mm. here in australia and i said look how can a south african be running an aboriginal legal service defending <laughs> aboriginals i'm like i always knew australians are the biggest racist <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a paradox isn't it yeah it There's is a certain it level of a... irony in it i guess yeah because how, so... how old were you when when you came to australia uh i was 12 I was 12 and I'm now 37 and um, my wife's biggest request is for me to get my citizenship. Um, and I feel that I'm Australian. I don't need a piece of paper to tell me otherwise, but most Australian thing, I don't want to go for it in case I fail. So you, know. <laughs> <laughs> so you do have a fear of failure. That's good to know. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be the question that would scare you the most about the citizenship test? 
Oh, mate, probably something with politics. I mean, what I, what I know about politics, I can write on the back of a stamp with room to spare. Like, I, I don't know anything about so it. So like so. every other Australian then. Yeah, you fit probably. right in. Yeah. See, why do I need the piece of paper? I'm already yeah. Australian. <laughs> <laughs> so you... Um... To say you have a healthy dose of perspective uh, in your adult life now is the understatement of the century. Uh, how has that, though, impacted or influenced, I guess, your your behaviours or your attitudes through business and business dealings, and and you know, I guess, how you've approached marketing even and and making money and that side of things. Yeah. So. There's kind of, interestingly, it's like a, what stems to mind is sort of that, that imposter syndrome. Um, and when I look at that, it's like, okay, why would people, why would people listen to me or why would people, why would people want to work with me? And, and I look at it that way and it kind of stems back and I'm going, okay, well, you know, they come to me for a reason or, or they don't know marketing to, to that degree. So I'm always going to be more of an expert and really only need to know one thing more than another person. And you become an expert in their eyes. Mm. Um, and it's sort of the same thing. And then I realized, well, one of my goals in the business is to be the dumbest in the business. And I only had to hire one person for that to happen. So it wasn't that hard. <laughs> and, uh, but now, you know, we've got a team of, uh, what I think it's last count. I think we had about 20, 21 people, um and they are way smarter than i'm ever going to be um and i then tell my clients look if you want to work you want to work with us um you know you can go through me sure you can, i can answer all your questions but i can assure you that i won't do it anywhere near as good as my team will so relying on the team has kind of really helped me get to get to where we are now and my conversations now stem to okay how do i utilize the business um and how do we work with our clients who effectively become partners with us to help me grow that dream and that vision to be able to help, you know, that, that person in, in the gutter or, or the underprivileged. So kind of really helps and gives me that perspective. And I wake up in life going, there are people so much worse than we are now. And when I'm sitting there complaining, you know, it's like, well, just have a look at those people and, and get off your ass and do the work so that you can help them um, almost have the same, you know, the same outlook. I love it. I think there's a lot of uh, the country, well, the world, that still doesn't have the opportunity that many of us are fortunate to have. And taking a moment to reflect on that frequently <clears throat> creates better results for all of us because it, it does change our perspective. And I think particularly in the last couple of years, we have seen a lot of the why me or this is so hard or um, everything's stuffed or it's everybody else. We've lost Ooh. Coxie for a change. No, it's oh, no. disappears. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't oh, even continue her question because none of this is scripted, listeners. So, yeah. Um, so I'll uh, I'll jump in while uh, Coxie disappears into the Ethernet somewhere. Mm. That that perspective, I guess, we're on a bit of a theme there, Nicholas. Um, I, I mean, you're you seem really driven by other people and other people's welfare rather than your own profit and loss or balance sheet. Do do you still have a focus on business performance? I mean, do you set targets? Do you do that sort of stuff, or is it just literally, I'm doing yeah. this for the the kid in the gutter? Well, I, I mean, personally, I think it goes kind of it goes hand in hand. So, I mean, if we don't have the business performance, there's no way we can help that kid. But my accountant um, and my bookkeeper kind of hate me at times because <laughs> we'll have clients who are struggling in their business. And obviously with the recent pandemic, it's made things worse. Yeah. Um, but I know what we can do for them through our, through our marketing. And I just tell them, I say, guys, don't worry about next month's invoice or, you know what, we're going to add that service on for you for the next three months, get you the results. You don't have to back pay it. And we start from then. And mate, I, I'm not lying when I say this, this, I've had in the last two months, we've had um, two clients literally tear up on Zoom when I have that call with them. And they say, Nick, no one's ever said that or marketing agencies have never done that. And that's why we also month to month. Um, we're changing that slightly now. But um, yeah, I'm just like, hey, you know, we're here to help. I have a duty of care both to my clients, but also to my team. And I realized this, uh, what, probably about three, four years ago, that because we... Technically B2B, because um, we work with work with dentists and I suppose um, you can look at it this way in that 
there's myself and there's my team. So I have to provide for my team, but then there's also the dentist and the dentist team and the dentist clients who happen to be the patients. And it's kind of mm. all stems back to me. So I'm like, well, how, mm. if we don't perform in business or don't do the right things, then so many, it filters down to so many people. So it really brings perspective into it um, for me there. But someone told me, I can't remember who it was, but they said, um, good business is good business. So, you know, it's, Sydney and Australia, it's a small, it's a small place, right? And mm. if if you do bad business, the word gets out. And I've built my entire business off reputation alone. We don't do our own lead gen and we never will, because mm. I would rather build it through referrals. Um, and our mission in our business is totally unrelated to dental or anything. It's one referral from every customer. And if you do that, you literally double your business every year. Mm. So and I'm, and I ask, so during the week, I have what I call thinking time. So I get it from um, the book, The Road Less Stupid, which I highly recommend. Um, but part of that, they talk about thinking time. And one of the questions that I sit and I ask myself on a weekly basis, am I allowed to, uh, not that I often do, yeah, yeah. but am I allowed to swear <laughs> on this right. podcast? Yep. Okay. So if you're sitting there, um, ask the question, I go, if someone if another competitor had to approach my client and say, would you leave dental rank to come work with us? What do I have to do in my business for that customer to turn around and say, absolutely fucking no way. Like we stick in with <laughs> dental rank. So what do I have to do? And that opens up a multitude of other questions, which is great. Cause then it gives me more thinking time. So I spent about two hours on a Friday, just thinking, just thinking and writing, thinking and writing. And then the following week, probably think about one of the questions that arose from that. But with that in mind, I'll then bring it back to my my management team. Say, guys, this is what I thought of. This is how we need to implement, go and do. Um, and that's kind of worked really well. So it's kind of, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm really a visionary type now. I can't, if someone tells me to do a task, I will freak out and come up with any excuse under the sun <laughs> to not do it. But if you Sounds tell me like to come up with some, yeah. But if you tell me to come up with some audacious plan and idea, like I'm, 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 I'm all for it. So um, that's worked out really well. And that thinking times helped me. And we've seen business growth when I'm thinking business grows when I'm doing nothing happens. So, mm. yeah, it's a great distinction, mate. And and mm. I suppose in our, in our previous chat with you and just listening to the way you speak about business and, and what you do, uh, I feel like you're one of those people who has really recognized your strengths to use the, the real simple language and stayed yeah. away from the things that you suck at and found other yeah. people that can do those things. That's uh, it, mate. Is that, is that a fair observation? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, on the money. So I realized what I'm really good at is sales. I, I love sales. People say, oh, I can't be a salesman. I couldn't be in front of someone. I love it. Can't, I could do it day in, day out. And it's not because of sales, like secondhand car salesman, even though I'd probably be good at it. But, you know, you would, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, Talking to people and working out what their problems are and coming up with a solution. It's the simplest thing in the world. Asking questions. My wife tells me I talk way too much. So I've started listening a lot lately. And it's really helped because then you start finding out what do people really need rather than saying, here's my product, here's my service and ram it down their throat. It's kind of saying, okay, what, what exactly is it that you need? And then just keep asking, 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 and eventually you find a solution, which is super simple. And then, I just hand that off to, you know, my project management team or now my sales assistant who hands it to the project management team. And then I get back to the drawing board in terms of how do we make our service offering better or our messaging better and then get to check in with clients, you know, every quarter or something as opposed to, yeah, I'll go and have that followed up and then I don't do it because I come up with an excuse not to. And they say, oh, you haven't done that yet and it makes you look bad. So to me, I mean, I think that can't also the looking bad and, trying to please people and everything sort of came from my dancing days. So I know you probably don't have a lot of dancers on, on your, on your podcast. I can put my money on that one, but <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, but I'm we're hoping next... you can hook us up with a few, mate. Yeah. So I'm an ex Latin ballroom um, dancer and it was all about the way you looked and perceptions and what people thought of you. And it was probably the worst thing for anyone's ego to be perfectly honest, but that kind of drilled in repetition and you know consistency and everything in my mind and i kind of brought that into my business world so every day wake up sales calls 9 a.m 10 a.m talk to this person organize a lunch so every week i have to have lunch with at least one partner and one potential you know contact 
Um, and that happened every week, the last 10 years, it happens every single week. Um, and it just drilled it into me, which is crazy. So that was something that I really took from that, from that moment. So it kind of really helped. Nicholas, uh, we are joined by Coxie listeners. She has found her way back to the bicycle to get the electricity happening again. Uh, Crazy, isn't it? So uh, speaking of technology, um, Nicholas, you, you talked about word of mouth referrals earlier. I wanted to to just uh, jump back on that thread. It's an area that our listeners, um, I would say most of the tradies in business that we talk to, the ones that work with us at the Tradiepreneur Program that come to our events, huge source of their business is word of mouth referrals. Um, and yet most of them have no idea how they're getting them or whether they can do anything about keeping on with getting those uh, referrals. Is it black magic? Is it luck? Or is there something you can actually do to get more word of mouth? Yeah. No, there's definitely not black magic. There's definitely a strategy in place and a process in place. Now, um, I when I first started in business, I was about two years in, and someone invited me to this thing called um, Be Nice. I'm I'm not here to rate to fly its flag, but what I'm what I'm getting to that one is I joined this not knowing what the hell it was. I was in it for six years, and generated. I mean, we took the business then from doing about 10k recurring to um, into the sevens. And we were just, and that all was through um, referral. And what I learned from that is um, you can tell a lot by a person through who they refer or how you refer to them and what they do. So there's a lot of people that don't follow up and that's the worst. And Mm. unfortunately it happened to be a lot of tradies that I referred to. I stopped (laughs) doing that. But if I refer you someone like to me, my list is gold. If I'm referring you someone, they have huge trust in me. And if I refer you, you're pretty much as good as, sold right or sometimes i will know your business that well that i can sell you in without you opening your mouth in fact sometimes i said look i'm going to refer you don't say anything just rock up make sure you rock up and that's it so it's really the consistency showing up um, and then following up so if you refer someone um after the referral check in with the person you've referred and the person you've um, referred them to and say hey how was it what's the feedback bring that back to them have a meeting with them and just learn about learn about their business. And then when I was there, I was like, hey, if you think we did a if you think we did a great job, you know, um, we love working with people like you. Do you know anybody else that might benefit from this? And that's how I built it um, over the what five years that I was there. But it still stems into what I'm doing today. And I'm in lots of networks and kind of love. I just love networking, so I'm in a lot of groups. But it all stems that way. And I work out what can I do for that person without anything to come to it from me so it was like okay great that person might need might need to know an accountant i happen to know one you know that person might need help with something digital great i'll do it for you for free because you'll think of me later when i need something um and that's just kind of how it how it built over the time but it's, yeah it's literally that following up and there was a few that didn't when i referred and they basically dead to me. Like I, I won't talk to them <laughs> if, you, if, I, if i if i refer you and you don't show up that makes me look bad to the person that I referred you to, which means they probably won't refer me to anyone or, or speak, you know, pleasantries um, in regards to me or my business because I've referred them someone dodgy. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. That's right. So yeah, it kind of didn't work out, work out well. And then there's a circle of influence. So it's like with, you know, if you, um, like with us, for instance, tradies, lawyers, account, uh, yeah, tradies, lawyers, accountants work well because they all know, you know, dentist or someone in that sphere. So instead of going directly, you think of, okay, who are they going to before talking to me and who are they going after? And I need to communicate with those people because we have the same people. You just don't know it yet. And, um, and you kind of build a circle of influence and a circle of, you know, power people. Mm-hmm. Nick, I think one of the fears for, well, lots of business owners, I won't narrow the field to tradies, is around the small talk that often precedes a good networking opportunity. Do you have some secret questions or secret source to meeting somebody for the first time and actually opening up a conversation that's quite meaningful and impactful rather than just the standard, oh, so tell me about your business or this is what I do, you know, that tip for tack conversation? Yeah, it... um... Yeah, it used to it used to happen a lot, and I used to hate that. I used to hate that small talk. Um, but I used to say, if there's one person 
that I can have standing in front of you that will change your business, um, who would that be? Um, and that, A, you get a lot of blank stares because they haven't thought about it. Um, and B, you can then open it up for them. So you ask, okay, well, if you don't know, then what industry are you in? And then you can just talk to them from there. So you, you sort of generalize, but you don't. And if you have someone that actually knows that answer, you're going to be talking to them for a long time. Um, so that's what I found worked quite well. It's just getting straight into it and not being afraid to end the conversation. Mm-hmm. So you go to a networking event, they introduce you, you sit in there with your glass of wine or you know beer or whatever, and then you just feel obliged to be talking to this person the whole night, which gets a little bit awkward. So you're like, hey, look, um, I would love to exchange details. Luckily, LinkedIn now has the QR code that you can just scan. Like, great, I'll connect with you. We'll go have, you know, we'll meet up next week or something like that. I'm going to go over and talk to this person. Or you might say, hey, come with me. Let's go talk to other people. So not to be afraid to do that because everyone's there for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not at a pub. You're there to, to, to network. So mm-hmm. that's what I found um, worked quite well. I think BNI is a great basis to, for learning how to network, particularly for business owners. You know, when I think about tradies, they have a pretty organic route to get where they're going. They, they haven't necessarily um, done uni. Many of them don't even actually go to trade school anymore. They do most of the on-the-job learning, so they're not having those opportunities to learn how to network or talk to other people. So there's some fantastic tips to help them mm. along the way. Um, I'm coming in a bit blind, obviously. I have no idea what the two of you spoke about when I was off I'm yelling. talking about your terrible jokes, Nicole. Throwing yeah. <laughs> around the house trying to figure out what was going on. Um, <laughs> Nick, I'd love to understand some of the mistakes you've made. You referenced that they've now turned into learning opportunities. Some of those oh, yeah. ones that you see <laughs> are happening quite frequently or, or maybe some of your favourite mistakes turned into opportunities. Yeah, my worst mistake was not getting an accountant, a bookkeeper, and a lawyer day one. Yes. That was my biggest mistake. And I tell everybody who's thinking about even starting a business or opening up that first page, get a lawyer, accountant, and a bookkeeper day one. Because I thought a credit card's the best thing in the world. Hey, a second credit card's even better. (laughs) And that didn't work out very well. And then I was like, oh, look at this tool and look at that tool. And I'm a shiny objects kind of guy. So I will look at something and go, yep, definitely need that. 100%. 100%. And at the time, I had like two leads, and I thought, you know what? Let's get on to Infusionsoft or Confusionsoft these days, which I know a lot of traders probably use. <laughs> and I'm like, I could have just done with Excel and four columns, and I would have been fine. So I did that. Um, but that would be my biggest mistake was not doing that, and we still pay it. And then what I also did was, okay, let's get a bookkeeper. You know what? Philippines is a good place for a bookkeeper. So I went overseas to get one, and he didn't realize that Australia, you have to pay taxes. So my GST money was being paid towards invoices. And then I got the ATO calling me and said, you have a $264,000 ATO bill that you have to pay. Ouch. Uh, which is now, you know, almost cleared, which is great. But it's taken me a while. And then you see your friends who are in business and they're doing well and they're buying the coolest stuff and going on these holidays. And there you are going, okay, what's my ATO payment this month that I have to do? So all this <laughs> profit, the profit that you're making is just paying paying all debt to paying all credit cards or something like that. Um, and that's demoralizing a lot of the time. And people used to say to me in the early days, like, why don't you just leave and go work for someone else? And I said, well, there's two reasons for that. Number one, um, I like determining my own time. And number two, I'll probably want to own the business. So that's not going to work very well because, you know, <laughs> I wanted to leave the, leave the grind of nine to five to work, you know, midnight to midnight. Because that everyone loves that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such a positive change, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, you know, I remember making making my initial sales meetings on uh, I don't know if Zoom was around at the time, it was probably Skype or something, where I'm in my room and, and literally my bed is sitting next to me and I'm you know got something behind me and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I'm in the office. This is great. <laughs> well, my bed's right there, like <laughs> so I rolled out. Yeah, there wasn't much traffic those days between the bed and the and the and the Skype screen. So, you know, it was fine. Um <laughs> yeah i'd say it was it was that not understanding money um and realizing that actually the other one is you can have a million dollar business but if your expenses are a million and one it's not a good business so revenue is one of those vanity metrics that when i hear people talking about oh what's your turnover how much revenue you're making i almost want to just turn around and walk away because that's not the number if i hear someone talking about profit margins or, you know, EBITDA. I'm just like, yep, you're the person that I needed to talk with because you understand what's important. 
Um, and that that was huge. Mm. And determining, you know, time. So if someone, if I talk to someone, you're working five or six days a week, um, there's something wrong. Like as a business owner, I work, oh, what's today? Wednesday. So I probably work about three to four days, three, four hours a day, something like that. That's where you get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's like on the business. So it's working with the teams, working on strategy, a couple of client calls here, there. Um, but it doesn't feel like work after a while. So you could do it all the time. And I used to work all the time until I got mm. married and then I liked having dinner. So mm. <laughs> it's such a good point, Nick. Um, there's, there's a persistent idea and it's, it's probably just a hangover from the industrialized economy and, and that whole revolution in inverted commas, cause I'm not quite sure it was actually a revolution, but a devolution, uh, yeah. of if you want more, you just work harder for it. And so particularly amongst our tradies in business, there's a very prevalent idea that I just have to work harder. You know, it's like, I'll do more hours, I'll do more time on the tools, or I'll just work Sundays to get my invoicing done. And yet time and again, Coxie and I talk to entrepreneurs and business owners and thought leaders like yourself that are proving that the opposite is actually true when Mm. you figure out what is best done with your time as the business owner what what happened that you made that shift you know like you went from obviously busting your ass um you've already you've already dropped an f-bomb so i can get a little bit looser on the episode now we'll just put the sexy e on it and everyone will listen to it uh but you know you've gone from busting your ass obviously well maybe in that same headspace where i just got to do the hours i got to grind away to mm-hmm. I work three days a week and I do seven figures now and your profit's yeah. probably six figures. So what mm-hmm. happened? I suck at numbers. <laughs> I can't do the numbers. I was just doing the numbers and I'm like, yep, this makes sense. And my brother, who's a, he's a chemical engineer, looked at it and goes, you know, your numbers are wrong, right? And I'm like, ooh, I should probably hire someone that can do these numbers right. But that was the problem. I had to figure it out. I'm like, this is my you know net profit and gross profit and all this kind of stuff. And if I increase this here and I like, you know what? I'm not good working out those percentages. I'm just really good at talking to people in this funnel. If mm-hmm. I have people here that I need to get from a qualification call into discovery sessions, into proposals and close, that's good. If I need to work out how many people I need to get into that or how many people, you know, in a month need to pay X, Y, or Z, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, and it's interesting when, you said before about how many tradies don't do that. Like they're always doing invoicing stuff. One of my best mates, and I won't name him because he probably might even listen to this podcast, but I've had that many beers with him or ciders um, where he just says, oh yeah, I'm stuck doing invoicing. And his wife has said, let me do the invoicing. Cause like you've got all the tools these days and like you could be out getting more work, but you're sitting at home doing all the invoicing and it makes absolutely no sense. So, you know, it's kind of like saying, okay, you know, let the electrician be a plumber too. And it's like, well, no, that doesn't work because it's completely different things. So I'm like, right, an accountant goes to uni to learn how to do all this kind of stuff. A bookkeeper is in the numbers all day long. I'm not going to have my accountant or bookkeeper doing sales because, I mean, I'd rather watch paint dry. So it's kind of like, <laughs> let me do the sales and you guys work this bit out and you just tell me how many sales I have to get. And that's fine. And then with my team, it's like, right, here's our dashboard. You need to make sure that our net promoter score is X. So how the, you know, how happy customers are. You tell me how many projects might be delayed or how many websites we've knocked out or something like that. So I can see everything is tracking in the right way. Then my dashboard is like super simple. It's just got their like revenue, profit, um, MPS scores. And I think it was like number of tickets or something. And if I can see those are tracking, it's good. If one of them goes red, I know that I'm going to grill my operations manager who will then grill down the list to whatever needs to happen. But if that's good, then I know that I'm doing a good job mm. on the on the sales side. And once I did that, it worked well. And I also went into a couple of meetings um, when my project manager took some time off and I ran those meetings. They said, oh, so, so when's Charmaine back? I said, well, next week, why? They go, well, don't take offense to this, but we prefer talking to her than you because she just seems to get things done. I'm like, mate, that's the best. That's the best thing you could ever say to a business owner is that you become redundant. Yeah, go <laughs> away. Awesome. The other the other person does more than you. Yeah, do and in thinking. sales, I say that it's yeah. just kind of like, hey, 
Um, if you want to work out the best strategy or you want me to sell you something, I'm the guy to talk to. If you want me to do something, I'm the worst guy to talk to and that's why I've got my team. So, Love it. Yeah, it's worked it. well. Now, you you do uh, digital marketing for dentists and mm-hmm. we've probably got some listeners who are like, yeah, it's a really cool story. Nicholas sounds like a really cool guy. Uh, he's wearing a nice sweater. Uh, but what the heck has marketing for dentists got to do with tradies? Yeah, so um, just wear one more time, same shit, different smell. So it's marketing, marketing is marketing. Um, and I said, there's just a spin on it, right? So I've got a lot of mates that specialize just in marketing for tradies. Um, and I was telling you about a couple of them and it's the same thing. So you're running AdWords, you're running SEO, you're running you know, social campaigns. It's still all marketing, but you just understand the audience. So you get into the mind of it. So with us, with dentists, like we get on calls with dentists and I can basically mime exactly what they're going to say. And I know right down to how much each service is. I can tell you how much it costs to get implants, can tell you how much it costs to get an x-ray, same sort of thing with tradies. Um, I know the guys that do that, they, they know like the back of their hand. Um, and when you niche down, it's so important because others just become a generalist and then you're competing on price. But the minute you become an expert in a field, people chase you. So we only work with one per suburb, um, sometimes expanding to about eight kilometers, depending on where they are, you know, um, if it's in the city or or regional. Um, But that's worked really well for us because then we become the go-to and, uh, and that's why we don't have to do any of our own outbound because people just know about us because you niche down. Mm. So what are some of the secrets? Uh, everyone wants to know the secrets, Nicholas. Maybe there's a better way for me to ask this question. What's some of the simple <laughs> shit that people should actually be paying attention to with marketing their trade business? You know, are there some key things that most people just miss because they're going for the sexy, yep. shiny butterfly yep. stuff? Mm. Yeah, so this is a, uh, so the good thing with tradies and dental is it's uh, hyper-localized. Uh, so mm. um, the main things are GMB, so your Google My Business listing, needs to be 100% accurate with your um, your phone number, your contact details. Um, the other thing is on the website itself, having the contact. Um, what I find with tradies that you do a lot is you put your mobile number. Now, I don't know if you guys have spoken about this on your podcast before or not, but when I see a tradie with a mobile number, you're a sole trader and I don't want to work with you because if something goes wrong, then I probably won't get my money back. So something as simple as going onto virtual HQ or something like that, purchasing a landline number and having to redirect to your mobile is good enough. Um, And getting like a virtual office or something. I mean, yeah, cool. It's just, you know, um, putting a mask on it, but it's going to make a huge difference Mm -hmm. um, is what we find. And then making sure the website is navigable and you've got, you know, some good imagery on there. It's going to be quite visual. Um, and testimonials and reviews, things like that. And responding to reviews is also highly important. So if someone leaves you a review, don't leave it unattended to for more than 24 hours because Google picks that up. They look at how many reviews you get, but how quickly you respond to those reviews too is also super important. Um, and then the right pages on your site. So we've, we've built a few um, trady sites. So you could give you examples of I'm currently building one now. So we still work with a few outside of that space. Um, but that's what we find with local businesses. People seem to get wrong. And depending on what you use for your booking, I don't know your tools like like, like I do with dental, but like Simpro, I think mm. might be something that you book with yeah. or something. Making sure that's linked properly, both on your GMB, your socials, because social, you can obviously accept bookings um, and making sure the data on there is accurate. Um, so it's just an accuracy of data, which you should really get right from day one and working with, an industry professional in the marketing space, sometimes even a rookie, to be fair, you should just have those details now uh, dialed in. It, mm. Yeah, it's pretty obvious stuff. Mm. None of those things are hard, and yet I feel like they're really common mistakes that are made, or it's just, I guess, uh, maybe I should rephrase that. They're not difficult to do. It's hard to prioritize them. I think that's where everybody gets stuck. It's another thing yeah. to do, but isn't that the key? And you've referenced it so many times. That's where we bring in other people. We don't have to do all the things. That's not mm. close to being your job description as a business owner. You're not meant to do the things. You're meant to have the thoughts. You're meant to give the instruction. You're meant to motivate the team. 
So it doesn't need to be so challenging as, because that was quite a list. There's quite a bit that you've just gone through there, but that can all be outsourced. There's plenty of people that can assist with those basic areas. And then I think yep. the most important thing, again, you've referenced it time and time again, is show up and do what you say you're going to do and follow up. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, mm -hmm. I actually think that's the three keys to marketing. It's, it's the showing up, doing as you say, and following up. That's what gets you the continuation of your marketing. That's what drives your mm -hmm. reviews that you need on Google My Business or on your website or on Facebook or wherever they're going to go. That, that will drive that. That will drive the referral marketing. That will drive your satisfaction from clients. So it just drops into a conversation without it actually being direct referral. It's just something they're excited about. And it all comes yeah. from just that consistency. Again, it's another word that you've used quite frequently. That consistency is, is just, it is simple. It's just simple business. And we allow ourselves to get too busy and too distracted so that we're not focusing on those key areas that we have the most impact on as a business owner. Mm. Yep, 100%. And because, I mean, if you think about it, right, you could you could take it into anything. So, yes, as a tradie, you don't know marketing, you don't know your website, hire a person that knows that. Same as us, I don't know accounting to that degree, so I hire an accountant or you hire a bookkeeper. So marketing guys or just web guys in general should be someone on on your books like there should just be someone you go into what's known as the care plan which doesn't cost much like i know hours are like 99 a month or some can go up to about 200 a month but would you rather pay 200 a month to make sure all that stuff is checked off and you're and you're good rather than having to do it yourself like worst thing you can have is your website to go down and you lose out on some massive sales because you don't even know your website's down Whereas, you know, we'll know if it's down way before you will because we have checks in place. We know what to check and how to check and how to fix it quickly. Um, and, yeah, that's just something, you know, every business owner should have. And it's interesting when I meet some people that don't have a website um, and they say, oh, no, I don't need a website. Like I've got a LinkedIn profile or, or something like that. That doesn't help. You know, you got to, you have to have the website, even if it's just a one pager with contact details. Like, keep it that simple, even with just the contact form. Have it linked to your, you know, to your mobile so that you get it, you get it instantly. Um, just going back on the on the review side of things, what you can also do there is you have a template that you can send clients mm. or people that you've worked with, and you said, you know, when you when you write the review, you could almost write it for them and say, hey, do you agree on this review? They might just be like, yeah, no worries, because they don't have time to write it. Like, they don't care. You did what you did and they move on. So you could be like, does this sound right? Yes, it does. Great. Put it on there or send them a link to it. Like, there's a super simple link that you can send people and it goes directly on that. Um, or what you can, what it would be great is if you can do sort of video testimonials and there's a few tools that you can use to gather that. Um, but video, video goes a long way um, and you can transcribe those as well because then that helps that helps with the with the SEO side of things too. Um, so it might be getting a bit technical, so just focus on getting reviews. <laughs> but a lot of that stuff is is actually simple, and it's and it's yeah. the sort of stuff that you can outsource and delegate. You can't outsource and delegate the electrical work as easily as you can the website or the bookkeeping. And it's where so many trade business owners get stuck. Uh, and I was chatting with Coxie about this recently, and and also family was here on the weekend, and it's we we tradies have this um i'll do it attitude mm. more than i've found in the professional services sector and retail and hospitality that i've worked with over the years um and it's a fantastic trade they're the problem solvers of the world tradies but the problem is they try and apply that to all the other business problems and it's like i'll do it i'll do the invoicing i'll do the social media and you're not the best person to do that stuff. And you're actually limiting your business. You're, you're limiting the time you get to spend with family, increasing the chaos yeah. in your business. We've got a, a challenge running in May to go from chaos to control because of exactly that. You know, nice. they've just got so many moving parts. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, I can use it because I'm African, but there's the old African proverb where if you want to go fast, go solo. If you want to go far, go together, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, you can do all that stuff by yourself. Sure, you'll get it done today. But what about tomorrow? What if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? Will your team know what they're doing? Mm -hmm. And in my business, I always said, if I, it's going to sound quite morbid, but if I was on a, you know, on a flight and the flight went down and crashed and burned, can my team still do what they need to do? Can my clients still continue business as usual and people know how to access everything? So you spend a lot of time 
on the systems and processes side of things, which sure might seem, you know, mind numbingly boring, but it's the stuff that will actually make the difference. And that comes back to that consistency um, that, was, that we we're talking about so much in this, in this podcast is it's there for a reason. And if you're consistent with that, where you do something once, you know, you record it and then your team can do it from there. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to record it so they know what you're doing. Um, and then it gets to the point where your team will actually do it better than you because they're the ones now doing it and you don't know how to do it which is the best place you can be as a business owner because then you are focusing on the best stuff and you actually become the CEO or the business owner as opposed to working in your business because then all you've got is a job, which, you know, um, stands for just above broke, which to me kind of kind of means that you're not really a business owner. You, you just seem mm-hmm. to like doing things. Um, I'd rather do the right things than just doing stuff because I have to, because I don't take the time to train other people to do it or hire the people to train the people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of that uh, working for a living uh, versus working for a life. And yeah. so many people are just working for a living, you know, they're just getting by if that, and mm. so much of it comes from being stuck with all of the stuff in what is, yeah, we refer to them as businesses, but in reality, they're just jobs, as you said. Uh, you know, well, they're growing too quickly. Our boss is the person mm-hmm. in the mirror instead of some other person. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. It so, grows too. It sometimes, sometimes it just grows. It grows too quickly for people, and they're not sure who to hire next. Yep. So they're like, hey, you know, we're growing heaps. We need to hire, you know, another another apprentice. Or I'm, I'm trying to put it into the same context, but it's the same with us. Like, who do we hire next? Do we hire do we hire the salesperson to deal with all these leads or do we hire with the person that can deliver the work or do we hire with someone to better manage how all of this works, which is in operation. Um, and I think that's not something that can be answered very quickly. You kind of have to map out, okay, well, where exactly are we going with this? Like, are we growing, but growing in the right direction and going towards the goals we want to achieve? I remember we turned, we turned down quite a large project because it just, it just didn't align with, with where we we're going, because going back to, you know, um, what Nicole was saying before in terms of what are some of the mistakes we made, our biggest deal that we ever made ended up being our most costly from a resources perspective, a stress perspective. Um, and I just really wish I never took mm. that deal on. But at the time I was popping, you know, popping bottles. I was like, yes, this is amazing. Um, and now, you know, I'm just figuring out which scalpel to use on my wrist. And I'm just like, what do we do? <laughs> like this, you know, and you can't, you can't go back on it. Um, so you just finish the job and realize that you're not going to, you're not going to do that again. So being, being, you know, super consistent in who you're targeting, but being ruthless in that. So if you see money on the table, that's the devil because it's kind of like, well, it's not, you know, here's the money. It's sure it's easy to take, but you're going to be suffering down the line. So just to make sure you've got your goals set in place and the right, your right target audience. I feel it goes back to what you, something you said earlier, Nicholas, and that was about the whole, uh, you know, revenue is vanity and profit is sanity, mm. as one of my coaches used to say. And then he'd finish that with yep. cash is king. Um, yeah. But we get so focused on the job size and <laughs> listeners, hopefully you feel a bit squirmy about this and that I'm speaking directly at you is getting getting excited about the size of the job you just won. It's like, oh, we just got this sick job. You know, it's our first $300,000 job or for a building, you know, we just got a million dollar contract and, and that's great. But how much money are you going to make make out of that? contract you know whether it's a million dollar build or a fifteen hundred dollar drainage job none of that means anything until you actually know that out of the fifteen hundred dollar drainage job you made twelve hundred dollars profit and the guy doing the million dollar bill might have lost fifteen thousand bucks so who's the smartest business owner Uh, yeah or some or someone says you you've made that profit like but you were doing the work so there's no profit there because you yeah. were doing it, yeah. not your team. Yeah, how many hours and did you, you probably do worth... and what should you be charging? <laughs> exactly, because so you're probably worth two to 300 bucks an hour and yet oh, you're sitting there doing all the work. Yeah, <laughs> That's right, that's right. Um, Nicholas, there's a question that I used to ask our guests all the time and I've gotten really slack. I think I'm just so enamored with Coxie's jokes that it takes me a whole episode <laughs> to get over the hilarity of, uh, I can't even remember her joke now, but I do remember my ranking because <laughs> it was such quality. Um, 
and, and it's a question I like to ask, which is if you had a thousand tradies in a room, and this is part of Cox's and my mission is to help a thousand tradies and their families get off the tools uh, by 2030 and actually, you know, into what we call true business ownership. So if you had a thousand tradies in a room, what's one piece of advice or one thing you would like to share with them? Oh man, that's a very, that's a very good question. Um, look, there's, there's so many, I mean, I could go, I could go into the marketing seat, but that's not going to, that's not going to help a lot of people. I would, I would probably say just to know, just to know your numbers, like know, know your worth and work out where do you want to go. So it's like saying, okay, there might be someone out there that really enjoys being on the tools all the time, which is great, but just know what that's going to cost you. And if you're happy to have that as a cost of business, because when I realized how much I was costing that, and one of my friends has on his laptop, it goes, is this worth a thousand dollars an hour? And if the answer is no, then you shouldn't be bloody doing it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can almost have that on wherever when you're on the job and be like, mm -hmm. right, is, is this, is this worth it? Did I get into business for this? And is the, is this the number that I want to have? And if the answer is no, then you need to change something. I love that. I love that. This is making me all warm and tingly. <laughs> I'm a big believer in the, the quality of our results being linked to the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. Mm. And as far as questions go, you know, is that worth 300 bucks an hour or a thousand dollars an hour or whatever? That is such a cracking question to ask. So love mm. it, Nicholas. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Now, Coxie's, yeah, Coxie's been you. a part-time co-host today with shocking. power failures and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Um, Nick, did you want to say anything, Coxie? No, I just really enjoyed the chat, the opportunity, Nicholas. I, I uh, particularly really enjoy some of that networking stuff we were talking about today. It, it, it's, it's, again, it's another really simple tool that we can use in our business super effectively. And I don't think we're ever taught how to do it. So hearing from someone that does it so well, I think is great insight for many of our traders to start to think about how they can ask better questions, how they can get in front of the right kind of people to be growing their network. And that's not necessarily about finding lots of work. Sometimes it's just about finding the right kind of like-minded people that can help them with their ideas of growth and change. So thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed it. You're welcome. That's been my pleasure. This has been great. Hopefully, um, hopefully your audience gets some insight from it and help. And obviously I'm always available for a chat. If anyone has any questions, always happy to help. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and sure you guys will give my details out so happy to help in any way i can if it makes a difference to someone then i've done my job awesome thanks for coming so, on the show nicholas i'll make it our mission to shout you out for lunch next time we're down your way which won't be too far away <laughs> yeah awesome yeah sounds good yeah good stuff thanks, cafe nicholas. sydney's just around the corner so that sounds Perfect. good <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to the tradies and business podcast with warwick bidwell and nicole cox Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.